0: doctor give me the
1: news i got to hey welcome to doctor jock's your sports medicine radio show great to have you join us today hey, if you're just catching our show for the very first time want to find out all about our show basically what we do here is we're a sports entertainment show that does it from a sports medicine niche and what i mean by that is i'm a uh, Long time sports medicine physician. I'm a doctor with Texas Sport and Spine, where I see athletes of all different ages, all different injuries. I mean, we do that every day in my day job. And so, what I thought I'd do here on the radio would be talk about what I do in my day job to, you know, maybe apply it to maybe your favorite sports player, your favorite sports team, and see how that might uh, affect that season or that player tell you how long the injury lasts, what that injury entails, and those types of things. So, love doing what I do in my day job here on Docs at Jocks Sports Medicine Radio Show. I do it alongside my co-host, Ferris Potter. Ferris is the longtime voice of Grand Canyon University out in uh, sunny Phoenix, Arizona. Ferris, great to have you on the air today.
2: Wonderful to be here. It is sunny. It is wonderful weather in Arizona, but we're inching toward... 800 degrees out here, so.
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly. And you're going to have to give us an update here on the uh, Grand Canyon University baseball team, for sure. I know they're doing uh, some great things out there. Got a big, uh, couple of big uh, in-conference games coming up, so we be talking about that and more. Hey, on the show today, we're going to have some wonderful guests. We're, our next segment, actually, after our first one here, is going to be with Webb Murphy. and Webb is the director of the Big Country FCA, and so we're going to be talking to a Fellowship of Christian Athletes. You know, we talk a lot about the physical the mental side of sports, you know, your physical training, the mental side of sports. But we also talk about how uh, we're more than that. We're our physical, our mental, our spiritual side. So we're going to talk about how the Fellowship of Christian Athletes works with athletes and helps them with that Christian side as an overall person and athlete. We have a great interview with Webb Murphy coming up. And then we're also going to have on later on, we're going to have the Texas Rangers A, the Round Rock Express pitching coach and 20-plus year veteran, uh, a professional baseball player Brian Schaus, who's been a good friend of Docs the Jocks, been on several times. We'll be talking about the pipeline of players coming up for the Texas Rangers uh, through that uh, Round Rock Express uh, minor league baseball team. And then we're also going to be talking later on in the show, and man, you won't want to miss this interview, with one of the pioneers of the athletic training world. She was the very first female head athletic trainer of any of the four major sports. We're going to have on Sue Falsoni. She is the, uh, she was the head athletic trainer for the Los Angeles Dodgers. She's currently working with the NBA team. She's not only an athletic trainer, she's a physical therapist. She's a certified strength conditioning coach as well as has been a head athletic trainer for the Los Angeles Dodgers. will not want to miss that interview. And remember, if you ever want to contact us here on Docs and Jocks or find out more about our show, you can follow us on our social media. You can go to uh, docsandjocks.com D-O-X-N-J-O-X.com and there you can see our show and find out how to follow us both on social media and Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, you name it. But you can also email us there, and we would love to have you email us your question and actually have you on air talking about your maybe injury or the thing you want to talk about with shoulder, knee, hip, back. We'd love to have you just go to docsandjocks.com. Hey, we'll be right back with more Docs and Jocks after this short commercial break
0: guy talk live from the Sport Clips Haircuts locker room. Caller, you're on the air.
3: Uh, My girlfriend beat me playing one-on-one. Ooh,
0: sounds like you need to hit up a Sport Clips for an awesome haircut experience and some quality man time.
3: I don't know. My girlfriend always takes me to her salon. Nonsense. Be your own man and
0: get a great haircut in a guy-friendly place from stylists who know what guys need. You may be right. Sure I'm right. Now grab your Y chromosome, get down to Sport Clips, and ask for the MVP. Sport Clips, it's good to be a guy. No one burns calories like Firehouse Subs. Introducing
3: our hearty and flavorful under 500 calorie menu. Steaming hot sriracha beef, hook and ladder light, turkey cranberry and more. Six new subs, four new salads, overflowing with flavor under 500 calories. And starting at only 549. Under 500 calories never tasted so hearty and flavorful. Firehouse Subs. One bite, one taste, you're hooked.
1: start that over. It's like Groundhog Day, man. I love it. Yeah, it's just, it's just looping. It's cutting it off. I always come in right after that last beat there. So If, if you want to just start it and then I'll play it because, well. well you'll just, you'll, you won't be able yeah. to play it because it'll be looping. Yeah, let me just play this intro. Yeah. All right. So we're now going to go out at 20. Okay, you ready? Yeah, go out at 20. Hey, welcome back to Docs and Jocks, your sports medicine radio show. Hey, great to have you join our show today. My name is Dr. Dan, longtime sports medicine physician with Texas Sports Spine, joined by my co-host each week, Ferris Potter, the voice of Grand Canyon University. Hey, Ferris, I thought we'd jump right into the sports medicine world. There's a couple of big stories in the sports medicine news that we have not covered very often in the sport that we're going to talk about. The first one is, somehow, the Masters Golf Tournament has now made news in the sports medicine world. If you saw it, I don't know if you saw it or not, but the Tony Finau injury is uh, has really gone kind of viral. He is... A top uh, golfer who uh, was celebrating after scoring a hole-in-one on a par-3 hole-in-one contest. And he was basically doing, after he hits the hole-in-one, he's jumping up and down and he decides to run backwards off the tee box. And he's running backwards and he's just running nice and normal. And all of a sudden you see he, he, he goes down and his foot is pointed sideways. Literally pointed sideways. I know, Ferris, You gross out on these things. You hate it when not uh, cool. Hawker players are cool here on uh, to even talk Jackson. about it, Stories and all the nasty breaks and all the things that the hawk and I are used to uh, looking at. He's an athletic trainer for the Dallas Cowboys. And, you guys get uh,
2: excited about it. Not, You're not used to it. You yes, you do
1: a little bit, a little bit on the inside, maybe, <laughs> just a little bit. But <laughs> but if you did, you get to see the Tony Finau injury. Did you get to see it, Ashley? Uh, oh
2: yeah, yeah. He sent it to yeah. me. I saw it. Oh yeah, that's right. Yeah, and so he pops it back. You know, in feet aren't as bad. It's knees. For whatever reason, knees really freak me out more than, like, ankles and elbows and stuff. Like a dislocated knee, yeah. Yeah, when they're they're pointing or – that's really creepy. But the foot was kind of like, holy cow, really?
1: Yeah, the foot one, he actually truly
2: dislocates his ankle, which the
1: amazing part of this – there's two parts that are amazing. One, when you dislocate any joint, that means that joint has completely come out of place on you, so – you know, if you dislocate your knee, the whole tibia, the bone of your lower leg is sitting behind your femur. If you dislocate your ankle, that means the talus bone, which is sitting underneath your tibia and fibula, the bones of your lower leg has come out of that, that groove that called your mortise joint. It's come out of that joint. And the fact that he was able to put it back in on his own is pretty amazing because he, <laughs> supposedly he's never had this injury before. Oftentimes, guys who dislocate their shoulders, and they've done it numerous times. They can actually put it back in themselves because all the structures around the joint have become very loose. The capsule, which is like a tight, tight covering around the joint, it gets stretched out as you continue to dislocate it. So you can put it back in relatively easily on your own at some point in time. It's not a good thing because it can come out very easily on its own as well. But he was able to put it back on his own. And then the fact that he didn't have any fracture associated with it, no real severe anatomical you know, bad malady hit him. He didn't have a bad, you know, super bad ligament injury. Bad enough. It wasn't bad enough to keep him off the course the next day. And he had no fracture associated with it. And then the fact that he played the next day and played relatively well. He had, At one point in time, he's not there right now, but one point in time he was sitting second overall. I think he's like fifth now or somewhere in that realm. And so he's actually played very well the next day. And he's not limping. So, anyway, what's he sitting at? right? Hawk's giving me an update right now. Is he at 14? He's currently uh, in 14th place at one under. He's dropping fast. He's dropping like a rock, man. <laughs>
2: But, but he's got like, a great excuse now yeah like, oh, my oh ankle. yeah if it wasn't for oh, my dude. ankle oh. I'd have won this thing man. exactly yes yeah. so my question is you know um I mean there's got to be like ligament stretching and things yeah. like that tendons and things so so how does that affect you from is that just a pain tolerance at that point but is it structurally do they just like if they lengthen out from that dislocation do they just stretch back together right away or I mean Liga- you have, ligament just, injuries, or? like when you
1: twist your ankle, when you have a common phrase for us, you know, an ankle sprain, let's say a an lateral ankle sprain, and, and let's say it's a grade 2. So in other words, you roll your foot in, you get a bad ankle sprain. The ligaments are what hold bones to bones. And so the ligaments actually, when they stretch, you get microscopic tearing of those ligaments. And it never really is as taut as it was before the injury. So you get ankle instability or chronic ankle instability if you continue to stretch that ligament over and over again. So to answer your question, yeah he does have some more instability after he dislocates his ankle than he did before and uh here's the other thing is most people wouldn't be able to do that and, and you're, we always think of like fair shoe and i we can have two of the exact same mechanisms of injury and yours could be completely different than mine as far as the outcome and the reason is, is we're not made the same the capsule that surrounds your joints how tight that is how much play you have in your ligaments, how much elasticity there is in your ligaments and tendons is different in you than me. I always use the analogy, you know, usually tall, thin females are very, very hypermobile, usually stocky, thin, you know, strong-built men typically are very inflexible. So you have a real continuum. So for Tony Finau to have this injury happen to him, he has to have some hypermobility of his joints, in my opinion, because I can't do that. I just, It just doesn't happen. I don't... I mean, my joints—I don't have enough play in them. I can't pop my knuckles. I can't sublux my patella, my kneecap. I can't hyperextend my elbow. I can't hyperextend my knees. But some people they can do that. If you look, if you watch, like uh, man, like a great uh, swimmer, like Michael Phelps. You have ever seen him how he does his shoulders before the, yeah. the swim meets? I mean, that's part of that is training, but a lot of that is God given. Hypermobility that allows him to have that much flexibility in his shoulders and his joints. So I think probably this is something for him to go out that easy, put it back in that easy, and not have that much trauma that he's able to play the next day is probably congenitally how he's made and as far as how flexible his joints are. Makes sense. That's
2: a little freaky too when yeah, the is. swimmers do that stretching oh, with yeah. their shoulders and they and they yeah. flap
1: their arms back and forth. And they like you to know, do it right before they go out back. there Yeah, yeah. Look like that. Those big giant. That's wings a little freaky them.
2: too. Yeah. Not a fan of that. <laughs>
1: Yeah, yeah, Michael Phelps between doing that and having the suction cup and cup marks all over him, and then having the scowl on his face when he's going into his uh, zone moment. When he's listening, he had some weird things going on in the Olympics this year.
2: Hey, my, Michael Phelps, Phelps story. You know, he's an assistant coach with the ASU Arizona State University swim team, and um, he not the head by coach? all accounts, loves it. Good guy, married. I think he's got a kid or whatever. But found out he lived. He moves out in Scottsdale, and uh, the place he lives they always have these fun like cul-de-sac you know meet and greets and they'd put stuff on and so he came to the first one and there were some people there that other people had invited that were just on him like a hawk doing that oh you're michael phelps everything hasn't been back to one since (laughs) because he's done because they ruined it they they had the speech hey just treat him normal he just wants to be a normal dude but some people just couldn't do it oh they were just like oh you're michael phelps he's like Ugh, so he hasn't been back up. a pop like since. It he hey, wasn't to Arizona
1: treated. State that he was actually behind the free throw lane on a guy shooting yeah. his free throws, and he pops out, and he has his shirt off, and he has all the medals hanging down. It's Michael Phelps. The real Michael Phelps is at the Arizona State.
2: They do the uh, curtain of distraction. Yes, the curtain they of issue. distraction. Yeah, and they, yes. had, they got him to come there and do that. Yeah, yeah right behind the free
1: that's th- awesome. How we yeah. got from uh, the Masters Golf Tournament to Michael Phelps doing the curtain of distraction. I think we had a little curtain of distraction that whole segment.
2: It's weird joint mobility. That's the common thread. Weird (laughs) mobility.
1: Yeah, so anyway, so uh, the other story, obviously, in the Masters, the most talked about person on Docs and Jocks, athlete of all time, is Tiger Woods with his four back surgeries and all the things that's happened to Tiger Woods, good or bad, over the last, you know, 15 years. And so Tiger is uh, actually playing very well. I mean, For a guy that I really gave up all hope of him coming back and being the player he was for multiple different reasons, whether it was uh, I thought he had the yips on chipping and it's very difficult to come back from the yips in any sport. It's a, a neurological glitch that happens somewhere where you can't do easy processing of simple activities. But he, it looks like he's over that, and then you add on to that he's had multiple back surgeries, and the last one being a fusion, typically changes the mobility in your spine. And here Tiger Woods is man, he's back in it. He's, you know, I think he's currently it's the first time he's swung in the Masters in three years. He's sitting around twentieth, twenty fifth. Hawk's going to give us the latest update here where he's sitting at. So,
2: Tiger just teed off second round. He's uh, two two over,
1: so thirty fifth place. Thirty fifth. So he's dropping like a rock too. So is he is he <laughs> projected to
2: make the cut? Do they have uh, the cut line out yet? I haven't seen it yet.
1: Yeah, so anyway, but he doesn't have an ankle, but he can blame it on his back, and Tony Finau can blame it on his ankle, so they both have reasons. The sun was in both I kind of
2: feel bad for, I mean, I've got, you've got, Tiger's had this great career, right, where he went through that whole. he was the greatest. He's the most dominant golfer I've ever seen. Now, older guys can argue, is it Jack, is it Arnie, is it all these guys? For my, I, he's the best golfer I have ever seen, hands down, like Tiger from a competition standpoint and everything. I think he's the greatest golfer that ever lived. But then he had all that junk happen, and then all this stuff happened, and then the way he acted. And, but now he's kind of gone to the thing where I think a lot of people are back rooting for him, you know, because he's kind of putting underdog. his head down, trying to work, and he's yeah. trying to do the right thing and that type of stuff. But I just – it is so hard. I talk to so many, and you do too, athletes that when they're at that high level, when they quit or they have an injury, it is so hard to get back to that level. Like you lose it so fast. Yeah, And and other people are, are not losing it, you know?
1: Yeah, we see it all the time. People try to make comebacks in sports they haven't been in for a while. Like, uh, well, i will try to give you an example right now. Tim Tebow. Tim Tebow would be a good example. He's trying to make it in baseball. And he's a great athlete, no doubt about it. I'm sure in high school he was probably one of the greatest baseball players of his high school career, you know, at his high school. But when you sit out of any given sport for a period of time and try and come back, you can usually come back But if you're a great athlete. But the question is, can you come back and be a lead at it? And there is a fine line between being really, really great and being elite. And that's where I think it's very hard for Tiger Woods to be out of the game for as long as he was. Have major back surgery, not just, you know, going in and, and trimming the disc off. He actually takes the disc out and has a fusion, which changes how you your mobility in your back. And in, if you look at golf swings, there is a lot of mobility that comes from your hips and your spine that has to be in play. And so for him to be able to come back and do what he's done is amazing. Absolutely. And, and we, by the way, we predicted here on Docs and Jocks, Wrongly, someone I was giving a uh, lecture this week at uh, for an organization, and they uh, asked they they asked me about Dox and Jocks, and and they said, "Have you ever been wrong?" And I was like, "Heck yeah, man! I get wrong. This is what I've been wrong on. I predicted Tiger Woods would not come back and would not play at a top level. I didn't think he'd be back and and ever in contingent for another major. And here he is. He's doing decent. He's not in contention right uh, now, but he's, he's playing well. He's not in
2: contention. He's no, no. You, I wouldn't it call that wrong. He's not in <laughs> contention. Well, everybody's really think in he'd contention come back and play, before they you. tee yeah. off on on Thursday. Yeah, I'm in. You're in contention for the next Masters. <laughs> I'm in contention. That's our favorite. That's our word of the day. Word of the day on
1: Docs and Jocks.
2: We're in contention. What's the great Keith Olbermann line when he's like, uh, "So and so's day to day," and he goes, "We're all day to day."
1: That's so true. Hey, you know what? We need to find out with uh, our next guest, Web Murphy's coming on the show. He's with the Fellowship of Christian Athletes, and kind of get his take on, you know, uh, guys like Tiger Woods who have to come back from these very difficult mental situations, I mean, I think that's where Fellowship of Christian Athletes helps a lot of these players, man. It gives them a foundation, something that they can base, you know, their return for. If you're just out there playing golf and that's, your, that's the end of your world and all you're doing is out there playing golf for yourself, that there, there's not something bigger. There's no bigger purpose. And so we'll be talking to our guest, Webb Murphy, about what the bigger purpose is with the Fellowship of Christian Athletes. You won't want to miss this interview coming up. Hey, let me ask you this, Ferris. You know, we said that golf could not survive without Tiger Woods. Do you think uh, Tiger Woods has his comeback? I mean, I'm following the Masters this year. I didn't follow it last year. Do you yeah. think it's been successful as far as what he's done for the for, done for the game?
2: Oh yeah, I mean, golf is better if Tiger's playing. I mean, we talked about golf is better if Tiger's playing at a high level. I think golf's better now that he's playing in that mid 20s, mid 30s. If he makes the cut, I mean, could you imagine though if he made the cut, made a run on Saturday, and was actually within five, oh, six strokes be awesome. on Sunday? Yeah.
1: Yeah, because it's been I mean, so long since we've seen that. Oh. Tiger Woods with the look on his face, the scalp where you just yeah. know he's going to win. Yeah, that would be a lot of fun. It So, was going to be a lot of fun as the other interview we're having right after this short commercial break with Webb Murphy of the Fellowship of Christian Athletes. You won't miss this interview here on Docs and Josh's Sports Medicine Radio Show.
3: Listening to Docs and Jocks, brought to you in part by Sylvan Learning Center, Doctor Melton Chiropractic, and Texas Sports Hall of Fame. Touchdown! Now back to more Docs and Jocks with Doctor Dan and Ferris.
1: Hey, welcome back to Docs and Jocks, your sports medicine radio show. Great to have you listeners to today. To it's the first time, you can go to Docs and Jocks doxnjo If it's your first time to listen, you can catch up on any previous interview, any show you might have missed. Remember, you can listen to us on our iTunes podcast, Docs and Jocks, D-O-X-N-J-O-X, anytime, anywhere, at your convenience. Love to have you part of our show that way as well. Hey, uh, my co-host each week, Ferris Potter. Ferris, we are very honored to have on the Big Country FCA director, Webb Murphy. And uh, Ferris and I were talking before the show, we uh, always feel like with athletes we uh, focus on our physical Prowess, our physical training, and then we also talk a lot here on our show with uh, our sports psychologist Tr- uh, Miss Tracy Mutton about the uh, mental side of sports and we thought we'd bring in that uh, the spiritual side as well. We know there's a large component why we play sports, why we do what we do, why are we here on earth, all those things fall back on your purpose. and you were a college football player. Played at Eastern New Mexico, and then you went on and played at McMurray under uh, Steve Keenum. I was at a a dinner this week with uh, not only Steve, but also his son, Case Keenum, and you were speaking there, and man, what a a perfect timing, so glad you're on the show.
0: Yeah,
4: thank you. It's a pleasure to be on.
1: So tell us a little bit about Fellowship of Christian Athletes and what you guys, how it got started, what you guys do with athletes, how you help them progress not only in their sport, but also in their lives.
4: All right, well, my, my story with with. Fellowship of Christian Athletes. It's been around forever, you know, it's been around over 60 years and, and, and I know as a kid it meant a whole lot to me uh, and I played for Randy Allen in high school here at Cooper and just to know that I had coaches that cared about me and uh, and it makes all the difference in the world and, and then when I started coaching, you know, I get out of school and I wasn't good enough to earn a living playing so I figured, you know, coaching would be the next best thing, right? So, I start doing that. And, you know, I, I was going to show the world how to win games and, and go get a head job as soon as I could and all that kind of stuff. And there's nothing wrong with any of that. You know, it's great to, to win and, and to succeed. And we all want to do it. And it's important. But, uh, FCA got a hold of me and, uh, a lady that I love dearly. She became a close personal friend of mine named Lisa Coleman. She came over and handed me a Bible and introduced herself and, you know, told me about things that were going on a little bit. And, and the ministry, Fellowship of Christian Athletes, really showed me that, you know, it's not about me. It's not about winning. It, it And instead of, like, using the kids as a stepping stone for my career path, that that's wrong. That's not it. You know, it's about what can I do to add value to people's lives? What can I do to help them? And, and it's all about the kingdom. You know, right. sports are just uh, something – Uh, that points us to a bigger picture, you know, the, the greatest story case did a great job of speaking to that recently about, you know, if, uh, if all it is, you know, the moment in Minnesota, you know, those moments fade, right. You know, I, I, I was blessed through my coaching journey, you know, to be a part of a state championship in football and man, you know, I've got a big old gold medal and a big old fat ring and Those things are great, but they're collecting dust on my desk.
1: Yeah, right. You know what I mean? Yeah.
4: So, you know, when someone gets baptized, when somebody surrenders their life to Jesus, when, you know, when you develop these relationships with players and you start getting invited to, you know, your linebacker's wedding or, you know, or whatever and different things like that, well, those things don't collect dust. Right. Exactly. You know what I mean?
2: Right. Ferris, you have a question for Webb? Hey, Webb, so... When you were initially got invited to that before maybe before you were a believer when you were doing your thing well what was it that attracted you to that was just the personal invite from somebody you respected or what what got you to go the first time
4: well yeah, i think uh I think it was really God just working inside of me i you know when i coaches are busy, you know, and I was working a ton of hours and you know you got preps in the classroom and, and and all that kind of stuff and and you're grinding away and doing your thing and so you know when i was invited to hey come plug in with this fca group and you can lead fca i thought oh man you know i i do not but <laughs> you know i it did not appeal to me at all i thought right. i don't need anything added to my plate i'm just i'm already overwhelmed you know and first year coach and blah 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 but i just went and and i really don't know why and and i went and i just loved it i thought it was really cool and it and it started out um you know just a really small group of kids i was at madison middle school at the time and uh i think there was like me and another coach and like seven kids and before the end of that year and and, and, it, and it didn't have i had nothing to do with it you know, I just prayed, hey, God, bring whoever you want to bring. And by the end of the semester, we had over 200 kids showing up. Wow. And it changed our school. And so that first year, I watched God change our school through FCA. And it changed me. And, Mm -hmm. you know, and I've got the principal catching me in the hallway saying, hey, our referrals are cut in half. And, man, you know, I mean, things are, this is great, you know, and, and keep doing what y'all are doing, you know, or whatever. And, and, uh, it's, it's the spirit of God. When the spirit of God starts moving among his people, uh, amazing things happen. So I basically kind of became addicted to FCA that first year. And I thought, man, I'm all in with this. And, Mm -hmm. and as things do, you know, naturally, you know, things lead to another and they lead to another. And then Lisa was like hey uh she had a lot of credibility and still does because her husband is the head baseball coach at Harden Simmons and so you know when when she you know and I mean I'm a young coach and all that kind of stuff and so when she introduced herself that was that was the catch you know, that was kind of the the immediate niche you know she's like yeah my husband Steve he could, and I, well I knew who he was you know so I thought well I'll listen to this lady because her husband is a, right? a head baseball coach at the college level so so that kind of gave her uh, credibility. So,
1: Web, you talked about having the high times, you know, and you having the trophies they collect us. But also, you know, in athletics, we also learned that there's a lot, of, a lot of valleys as well. There's a lot of times you get down. A lot of th- things we talk about here on Docs and Jocks are players dealing with injuries. And a lot of these injuries, like an ACL rupture, you know, they'll be out for a year. So suddenly you're in a sport you love, boom, it's been taken away from a year. There's a void there now. A lot of people who find their identity in athletics now feel this big void there. And that's where I really think we're FCA and – the relationship you have with you know jesus christ or the, your relationship that can fill that void and give people that bigger purpose so it's not just the peaks that sometimes you know fca is you know learning to deal with you're learning with those valleys as well as how to how to deal with those
4: i agree that that's an excellent point and you know when i played and and, and this is really just funny now because i I absolutely certainly was not that good so it's just laughable now to to think about my mindset when i was playing because, you know, I I really played to get my name in the paper and all that kind of stuff. And like I said, I wasn't that good to begin with. But, you know, God gives and God takes away. And, and he is the only one that deserves to sit on the throne of majesty, on the throne of our heart. I mean, it, it's all about him. And, and, and I, we, hearing you say that, Dan, immediately, like the name Cade Parmalee, just pops right into my yeah, head, yeah. man. And he, He's and been he, on Docs
1: and Jocks. So is Steve Coleman, by the way. So yeah, he's also, talking to a lot of our friends here. There right you guys.
4: go. So, you know, and, and if you don't know, if there's any listeners that don't know Cade's story, it's a wonderful story. So and you I can mean, hear it on Docs and Jocks. Go to uh,
1: DocsandJocks.com and hear how he's, he overcome his brain injury to continue playing football. So That's
4: right. And, and so, you know, the, the thing is it, it goes back to what Case said recently, like moments Fade and, 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 and there's all sorts of, I know Tom Brady, like after winning su- multiple Super Bowls, he's like, there, there has to be more yeah. to life than this. I mean, and I heard Jim Carrey say recently, you know, I wish everyone could have their wildest dreams come true so that they can have that moment, that realization that that's not what life's about.
1: Yeah, right. And it seems very soothing if you uh, – my young son, uh, he d- plays sports, and so we're always tr- trying to figure out ways, you know, that try and help him with, you know, that, that sports anxiety that's always part of everybody's sport life, by the way. And when I one of the things that my, my brother brought this up to I me, and it may be an FCA slogan, I don't know, but he says really – and he talked to Caleb on the phone. He said, remember, you're doing this for an audience of one. So when Caleb goes into that mode, like, hey, I'm doing this for a bigger purpose than myself, I'm trying to live, you know, a life that, that glorifies Jesus Christ – And it feels like at that moment in time, you can almost feel the tension go out. You're no longer playing for the fans in the stands. You're no longer playing for the glory for yourself. You're no longer worried about what your coach necessarily thinks of you. You're going to be doing your very, very best to try and, you know, win, obviously. But you're doing that for a bigger purpose than all of that. And that's that purpose of Jesus Christ. That audience of one mentality kind of takes over. And it's very, very soothing and calming to your soul. Yeah. So is that FCA? Is audience of one, is that FCA or is that I don't, have you ever heard of that?
4: Yes. Uh, our camp theme uh, two years ago was one. Oh, and that okay. was that was, a, that was everything you're saying. Well, maybe Caleb got that from there. That, that's reference. probably where
1: it came from. So, Hey, so, so uh, tell us uh, kind of where FCA is headed now. Like, organizationally, are you guys, uh, you know, I know you're trying to grow here in West Texas and get bigger in the Texas area. I know they have FCA out in Phoenix. Do you grow through, you really grow through each individual school? Will you try and get, young men and women who are huddle leaders tell us kind of the how you get people to be huddle leaders
4: yeah well you know we've really been blessed here in the big country big country fca has been around a long time steve keenum he's done an incredible job and but but at the same time it's really exciting because i just think man the best is yet to come like we're just getting started you know and so basically my role my my responsibility is i'm i'm clyde Pretty much all the way to Snyder, and so i 've got like the west half of the big country For those and, who
1: aren't in our area that 's all the pretty much west west Texas area yeah yeah
4: and and, and, and so what we do FCA says we 're to and through the coach, and so you know I, I love on coaches, and there's a lot of power in that i'm not i'm not on the school board you know i'm not uh, an angry parent i'm not you know <laughs> i'm not that's refreshing uh, yeah, that's i'm refreshing. not uh you know the superintendent i'm not you know whatever you know i'm not booster club treasurer i'm, I'm none of that so you know when we're tuning through the coach i just walk into the coach's office and 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 love on him. you know and hey i appreciate what you're doing and and whatever but with with the facilit, with facilitating huddles you know what we call a campus group and we 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 call those a huddle and uh you know we we identify leaders and and you know and we rely on coaches to to do that it's all student led you know when you have public schools and and all that kind of stuff you know uh and and you know, religion and public school environment and all that kind of stuff, it's student led. You know, we meet with the kiddos, we equip them. Uh, and a lot of times, you know, around here, uh, I'm, I'm just thinking like today, today's Friday. Well, holy smokes, you know, I was out at Jim Ned Middle School, and Friday morning is a real hot time, you know, for these huddles to meet. And it might be a church across the street, it might be in the library or in the gym or something, but. But it's student led and we have community people come in and speak and, and different things like that. But um in and, and that's what we do. And so yeah. just today, you know, thinking Friday morning, gosh, there's Wiley Junior High. Jim Ned Middle School, Craig. Jimmy Keeling was over at Craig talking to those kids. Of course, Coach Keeling was of like a legend. Of course, he was. Love that he guy. He was man. bringing it. Oh, of course, he the was. Greatest. Yeah. And you know, and when you <laughs> see different things like that, like kind of the, the loop come around full circle, like Ender Freeman, you know, the yeah. uh, ace pitcher, quarterback over at Cooper. Well, he went over to the Madison Huddle today. Oh, that's so cool. Man. And so, like all there's all these moving parts and it, and it, it absolutely fires me. Up.
1: Get, get, get fired up here, webb. You, I'm going to go over there with Coach Hess and start lifting a heavy bar. I'm getting <laughs> yeah, jacked right, up. Get Let's roll. Hey, Ferris, you have a question?
2: Hey, Webb, obviously, I mean, you're, you're, you're really locked into this. Well, what's the best thing for folks out there listening? Obviously, if, they, if, if their kid you know isn't involved, get involved if there's no chapter or nobody doing it on their campus, what do they do, and how do you want this to even continue to keep growing in your area?
4: Oh, man, okay, well, three things well number one you can you can call me you can email me my email is w murphy so w m u r p h y at f c a dot org so you can email me with any kind of question anything at all uh and and like i said the 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 ground has already been plowed in our area i mean we every school has an f c a huddle all around here different things like that, so you can contact me. You can contact coaches at your school, uh, you know, and, and just say, Hey, when and where does FCA meet? Um, we have you can follow us on social media just like you guys. I mean, we're on Facebook and Instagram and Twitter and everything else. So that's a great way, you know, just a hub of communication to stay in the loop, different things like that and um and and plug in and, and so you know, with, with the community, the main thing we tell people, well, what you can do, it, it, it's, uh, we we all, like, just like it, my church or whatever, you know, we we come with our three T's. You know, we're asking people, okay, you can give us your time, you can give us your talent, or you can give us your treasure. And, you know, so if you want to plug in, whatever that looks like, if you want to plug in with the day-to-day, like kind of adopt a school, like, hey, you know what? Merkle High School. I went to Merkle High School. All right, cool. You know, I want to, I want to get with Coach Jamison over there and Coach Cornelius and, and help, help them out. Awesome.
1: You know what, Webb, I want to say thank you for giving us your time today. I know you didn't have to be here, so thank you for giving us your time, your talent coming here on Docs and Jocks. Hey, I always. Hey, Ferris, how refreshing is it in a time when we're, our national media is kind of focused on all the bad things happening in schools right now, whether school shootings, those types of things, that we have men and women like Webb Murphy who's going out to teaching our kids and our youngsters the right way to live life, and that's with a bigger purpose than anything we even talk about here on Docs & Jocks as far as athletics, but talk about a foundation of Jesus Christ. I want to say thank you, Webb, for coming on the show. Thank you. All right. Hey, we'll be right back with more of your Docs & Jocks sports medicine radio show after this short commercial break. Here
3: we go. Yes. You're listening to Docs & Jocks, brought to you in part by Aveline Sports Medicine, Hardin-Simmons University, and Lawrence Hall Chevrolet. Touchdown. Now back to more Docs & Jocks with Dr. Dan and Ferris.
1: Hey, welcome back to Docs and Jocks, your sports medicine radio show. My name is Dr. Dan Longtime, sports medicine physician with Texas Sport & Spine. We're coming to you from inside the Forge Abilene Training Center. We're out watching some great people work out do their thing out here and exercise. And we're trying to do what we uh, preach here. We also try and make sure that we're doing that ourselves here at the Forge Abilene. If you ever want to find out if the Forge Abilene might be the place for you to try and work out, you can go to theforgeabilene.com and and check it out. And, and uh, I wish Ferris would commute from Phoenix, Arizona, and I wish all of our Arizona listeners would commute to Abilene, Texas, to work out the Forge Training Center. It would be
2: awesome. I might start doing that. <laughs> I'm, I'm thinking I'm, I'm seriously considering that. <laughs>
1: every other Saturday. You know, or yeah. <laughs> I just,
2: once, just work out once every, I don't know, two or three months. It is that, cool. That, those, that might not do the job.
1: Sports uh, training facilities where you do basically uh, – Functional sports training, in other words, controlling your own body weight, learning how to how to do things like plyometrics and speed and agility and strength training at the same time, mixing it all in, man, it's really really a cool workout. Hey, I really enjoyed our interview with uh, Webb Murphy. Don't forget, we're also going to be having on uh, our next interview after this one, we're going to have on our pitching coach with the Triple A Round Rock Express, uh, uh, Brian Shouse with the Texas Rangers, going to be coming on talking about. That, uh, that funnel of players coming up through AAA there and going getting ready to go to the Texas Rangers who need a little help right now. They're struggling at the beginning of the season with uh, some of their pitching. So he's going to be uh, finally in the forefront before too long, bringing some of those guys up, hopefully. But anyways, what do you think about the start of the season right now, Ferris? Kind of, kind of where some of the teams are sitting. Is it kind of what you thought? Did you think the Astros were going to be good? Did you expect the Yankees to hit home runs? Did you think the Texas Rangers would be struggling or out of the gate?
2: Yes, on all those, all, yeah. <laughs> all, all of those above. I mean, there's been a few teams that got out of the gate fast, but you know, you know, it's baseball. It's you can. I think you can make some predictions on football uh, after the first four games, and and they pretty much you can kind of tell they kind of hold true. You know, for the most part, baseball, man, it is so hard to tell because a team can get hot and run on a 17, 18 game win streak at any point in the year and get themselves right back into it, or they can go cold. So I'm not really that that surprised in anything. I mean. I thought the teams that were, were going to be good were going to be good, and the teams that are going to be bad are going to be bad. I mean, I'm a little surprised at how the White Sox, you know, how good they look at times with their young guys and yeah. a certain players. Um, but, I mean, I'm looking at the standings. We kind of thought this is what it would be. I mean, the Braves, you know, are the, are they going to be the team that we expect that they might be three years out and they're actually – they overachieved this year, you know? Yeah. They got yeah. some good young players. Maybe so. I don't know.
1: Speaking of which, a uh, guy that was out in your neck of the woods with uh, the uh, Arizona Diamondbacks got traded to the Braves. What has happened to Danesby Swanson? Was where, where he even playing at all anymore? Has he kind of gotten relegated to... Uh,
2: yeah, set? he he was going to be their starter at shortstop, but, I mean, he just, he just has, hasn't kind of clicked like they yeah. might have thought for a number one overall guy, pick. Yeah,
1: number one overall guy that was a stud out of uh, Vanderbilt a few years ago, so... Yeah, I just when I watched, they were playing uh, Culberson or somebody was playing shortstop. I'm like, what happened to Dansby Swanson, man? I haven't seen this
2: guy. Yeah, he's, he's still starting most of the games. I think it's, you know, it's, I, I always remember, well, we always say this. I think baseball's a really, really hard game. Some guys like Mike Trout make it look easy. Some guys like Bryce Harper make it look easy. But it's not. It's a really, really, look at Rodrigo Dour. He made it yeah. look easy for one year, and he hasn't been the same in the last two no, years. No, but It's gave, a hard game, right? They,
1: they went out and bought him horses and gave him the big contract, <laughs> and uh, he hasn't done a thing since.
2: It's a hard game. And I just remember um, Matt Williams, who was a great player, saying when he was coaching the D-backs, and they called him the baby backs because they were really young that year, and they were saying, oh, what's wrong with Justin Upton? What's wrong with Chris Young? What's wrong with those guys? And he said, I got to be honest with you. He said, I didn't know what I was doing until I got about, about six, 700 at-bats under my belt in major leagues. He goes, I, I had no clue. He goes, it was all just instinct and, and athleticism. And I was just lucky until I got about, said, it was really about two and a half years in, I kind of went. Oh, I kind of get this game, and anymore, coaches and, and teams and fans they're, they're they don't want to give guys two and a half years to see yeah. how good they are, you yeah. know. When yeah. they put that much money into them, and you can't blame him. You give Dansby Swanson that much money, and you say we want you to be like Mike Trout, and he's like, dude, I I'm can't Mike be Trout. like Mike Trout. <laughs> yeah. You know, yeah. <laughs> give me some time, and and there's just not there's just not much time. So I think he's still gonna be a really good ball player, but. Speaking I just which, think it takes a lot of time.
1: A guy that's gotten off really fast. You're Talking about some guys who've gotten off to hot starts. Otani looks like the real deal. The Japanese uh, pitcher uh, slash uh, hitter. So he's doing both. He's hitting well and he uh, pitched well in his debut. So he might be the real deal. I mean, they're already calling him uh, the next Babe Ruth. Who wants to oh, be known boy. as that? Oh man. Oh boy. <laughs> yeah. Here we go. Yeah. They Rick Rick Ankeel, I just I'm reading his book right now. The Phenomenon. You know, he's the guy that got the yips in as a pitcher and had to go to be an outfielder. And he gets compared with Babe Ruth sometimes. And I was telling my wife when I was reading this book, I'm like, never in your career do you ever want to be called the next Willie Mays, the next Babe Ruth. The guy who was called the next Willie Mays, by the way, was Bobby Bonds, the player, Barry Bonds' dad. And he did not live up to that. So, I mean, you almost can't. I mean, it's Willie Mays. It's Babe Ruth. It's almost like they're so legendary in your mind. You can't live up to that. You can't be the next Mickey Mantle. There's only going to be one Mickey Mantle, right?
2: It's, yeah, it's, every once in a while, yeah. there's that generational player. Like, Ken Griffey goes out, and he is the next, you know, Willie Mays. Like, yeah. he really was. He just got injured and things like that, but he did those things. I think Mike Trout is probably the next Mickey Mantle. That's who I kind of equate him yeah. to. But it's it's very few and far between, yeah. you know. Yeah. And and it's like A.J. Pollock for the D-backs. Is he the next, you know, like Willie Mays or or Ken Griffey or whatever in center field? No. But is he a really good, good stinking ball, ball player? Yeah. 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 Is he going have a. I mean, Justin Upton, everybody's like, oh, he's the next, you know, great, you know, phenomenal. Well, he's not maybe a Hall of Famer, but you look at him, going to be in the league 15 years, hit 280 every year with 30 home runs and 100 RBI. It's a yeah. pretty daggum good career, you know? Yeah.
1: Yeah. You're right, man. There's never the next, but there are some good players that are just beyond uh, explanation of how good they are. Paul Goldschmidt out there in Arizona Diamondbacks give a little shout out to Texas State whose great coaches Ty Harrington and Steve Trout were kind enough to come on our show here Docs and Jocks so he came out of Texas State to become one of the greatest ball players in the Arizona Diamondbacks history for sure so hey speaking of a player that you probably know Ferris you and I do because we love baseball but most regular baseball listeners casual fans wouldn't know him Rusty Staub passed away this uh, this week. Rusty Staub passed away at age 73. Most players or most uh, casual baseball fans would probably know Rusty Staub because he was a New York Mets uh, broadcaster. He did what, he does what you do, Ferris. He did it for the New York Mets and he was very good at it. But he played for five different, actually six different teams. He played for the Expos, the Colt 45s, the Mets, the Astros, the Tigers, and a very short while with the Rangers. His uniqueness about him, Rusty Staub, is the fact that he play, he had 500 hits for four different teams. He's the only player, the only, when you're ever the only player in Major League Baseball and it's been going on since 1880 or 1860 or whatever it is, when you're the only one to ever do it, there's something special about you. But 500 hits for four different teams, Rusty Stobb's the only one to ever do that. He's also in a very select group of four players that have hit a home run before the age of 20. He came up as a youngster for the Colt 45s at age 19. And then he hit a home run when he was age 41. He played in the big leagues for 23 years, which is unheard of. He played, so he hit a home run after the age of 40. Can you uh, – this is a tough one, Ferris. I don't know if you'll get this one. Can you think of another player, that off the, uh, one of the other three? So, Rusty Staub, who's another player that hit a home run before the age of 20 and after the age of 40, so had to have a long career. One of them, by the way, did it most recently, like within the last probably three or four years. Exactly. So,
2: say that again, before the age of
1: 20 and after the age of 40, they hit a home run in the big leagues. Oh, man, Ferris, I, I never, ever get to stump the great Well,
2: no, I was. I, you said recently I was. I was.
1: Yeah, one of them pretty recent, one of the guys that did it. It's actually Alex Rodriguez.
2: Oh, okay, because A-Rod, he came up yeah.
1: a did it when he was with the Mariners when he was 19, and then he did it. He stayed along with the Yankees at a home run after the age of 40 before he left baseball. The other one might surprise you, Ty Cobb did it. Ty Cobb had a very mm-hmm. long playing career. Started when he was 19 yeah. and finished after his 40s. And the other one I would have never got, Gary Sheffield. I remember he came up as a youngster with the Brewers.
2: But yeah. I didn't realize he played for uh, He had, for had a nice long. career, yeah. yeah. He had a borderline Hall of Fame career. Sheffield did.
1: Yep. and But Rusty Staub is also part of the Texas Sports Hall of Fame, one of our proud sponsors here on Docs and Jocks. Uh, he uh, played for the uh, Colt 45s one of their, before they were even the Houston Astros. And then he was one of the very first players, to play, he was actually the first star player really with the Montreal Expos. In fact, they uh, retired his jersey up there. And he's been a baseball announcer from 1986 to 1995. So, 10 year broad- broadcasting personality. So, how old was he? 73. You know? He died at uh-huh. age 73, yeah. Um, if
2: you want a, a great book, it's called Up, Up and Away. It's uh, by Jonah Carey. It's about the Montreal Expos. Really? Like from start to finish. Yeah. And he's, they got a lot in there about him. His nickname? Le Grand Orange. Because he had because red he hair. Had red yeah. hair.
1: Yeah. yeah. <laughs> he they,
2: they,
1: one of the reasons he was, was beloved their best player for a number of years. Yeah, the very first 3 years of the franchise he was their best player and he was beloved because he decided to learn the French language. Yeah. So he actually decided to speak French so he could be part of the town there, which is very very the city there in Montreal which they loved him. But did you know he was a broadcaster for 10 years? I don't think I knew that yeah. about him. You yeah. didn't know that?
2: I don't Yeah, I mean much. I did I didn't I just knew he went into broadcasting but Yeah. Yes, yeah, guys like that, we talked about it before. Guys like that when you think of greatest baseball players that ever lived, you don't think of Rusty Staub. No. But then you go over his numbers and the, how long he did, it and you go, "Holy cow!"
1: He only missed three thousand hits by two hundred hits. If He gets to three thousand hits, he's probably a Hall of Famer.
2: Would you have thought of that before he passed away, and you looked up those numbers? When no. you said five teams, five hundred hits, I'm like, going, "Really? Yeah, that's I crazy." He had a nice career, but I see. To me, the guy, guys going right now, like Sheffield's another. I think Justin Upton. Everybody's like, "Oh, he wasn't because he was supposed to be," you know, doing what, what Stanton's doing or yeah. whatever, right? For well, people are like, Oh, he's a disappointment, and I'm like, Are you joking? Like, every year he does this. If he plays for for 15 years, he's gonna hit over 500 homers. Like, there's gonna be a conversation in five more years about is this guy a hall of famer? And right now, we look at him and go, Well, there's no way Justin up is a hall of famer, not even a chance. Middle of the pack, yeah. yeah, yeah, but he's gonna hit 35 home runs for 15 years.
1: That's amazing. Yeah. You, know, that's yeah, like, you know what I'm thinking about. It's like guys like Rusty all Stop. Of famer, you know? I remember Rusty Stobb took lots of pitches, walked a ton. He always had – in fact, he has a couple of the teams that he played for, he has their highest on-base percentage of any player to ever play for him because I think he actually – he averaged for a while over 400 on-base percentage, which is really, really high. So oh, for every time he's getting on. Yeah. And, and I, I remember him because when you and I watched him back in the 70s and 80s, he was at, by the end of his career, he was the pinch hitter. He was the very first, by the way, Full time DH specialist. There some, yeah, yeah. There were some other oh, guys. Was he, really? Who, yeah. First full time. Oh, wow. He played DH for a whole 162 games. Never played the field. He's a full time DH. There were some other guys who DH'd and played the field, but he was the first guy at the time the first guy to do it all the time with the Detroit Tigers. And then I remember him as a pinch hitter. He had he set the record one time. I think he had the most pinch hits in a row. Without making it out, I think it was eight in a row or something like that. I remember, I remember watching a game when Rusty Staub wow. was going for that. So, yeah, a lot of great things about Rusty Staub. He's beloved in New York. He had his jersey retired by the Mets. He obviously was a broadcaster there. Had his jersey retired by the Expos. He is also in the Colt 45s uh, Hall of Fame as well. So, in part of the Texas Sports Hall of Fame. So, one of our proud sponsors here on Docs and Jocks. Pretty cool. So,
2: Yeah, yeah.
1: It's always sad when you see the guys of your childhood passing on. It's it, if you're a young listener, you're 20, 30, driving around right now, listening to this, you don't quite understand that. But the guys that you are following right now, when you start, if you're a young man and you're following them, they start passing away in a few years, you're like, wow, what happened? When did I become the guy, the man that I know? You know that talks about all the guys passing away? So so sad to see him go.
2: I mean, he's not, is he a Hall of Famer? No. I mean, no. he didn't get in, right? But, I mean, would you, would you look at his numbers and <laughs> go Hall of Famer? Would you say – Man, that's a really good career. A lot of people would kill for that career.
1: Before he passed away, I didn't know his stats. I would have absolutely said, no, he had a good career. He's not a Hall of Famer. After looking into stats, missing 3,000 hits by about 200, being one of the uh, highest on-base percentage guys, hitting uh, 500 hits for four different teams, all those kind of things, start putting him in the conversation. The first full-time DH who did it really, really well. One of the great all-time pinch hitters. Home run before age 20, home run after 40. When you're in the likes of a group like... Arod, Ted, Ty Cobb, and Gary Sheffield—that's a pretty good group of guys who played a long time. So, uh, yeah, I would have said I would have uh, considered him uh, much more. He might be one of those guys that gets in with a veterans committee now that he's passed away. He might get in. Uh, what do you call that when you pass? You get it? Uh,
2: yeah, but, yeah, yeah, posthumously. And um, I mean, Fred McGriff's another guy who's like not in. I don't think he didn't get in, did he? He's still no, not in. So but I it's didn't. like you look at his numbers, you go, "Holy mackerel!" But he did it just steadily, you know. Yeah. I don't know why. I don't know why I'm fixated on Justin Upton, but it's a good example because I'm like. The guy's 30 years old. He's 12 years in. If you give him seven more years, because he's in good shape and you extrapolate those numbers out, he's going to end with 570 homers and 1,700 RBI. Oh, I mean, man. That, that's a, 570 that's, homers in and of itself puts you in.
1: And here's the thing about it. Before you told me that, Ferris, I don't even think of Justin Ups as a big home run guy.
2: No, nobody does. No, but because it, it's, it's, it's basically 30 homers for 20 years. That's why, I way, mean.
1: Just to put that in perspective, that's a lot more home runs than Mickey Mantle.
2: Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, yeah. he joins that 500 home run and, and home runs are e- they seemingly easier now, you Whatever. know, but, yeah. Um, yeah, easier in the whole realm of easy, <laughs> yeah. you know, yeah. in baseball. But I just, you know, there, there's guys like Gary Sheffield, like, I, you know, you say, is Gary Sheffield all the family? No, well, he got his first home run at 18, and his last home run at 41, I mean, he was, but he was never that that marquee guy, like, he was good enough like a Staub to be, a team would go, oh, that's the guy that can get us over, they'd get him. And five years later, he was a guy good enough that they could trade for something else. You know? Yeah,
1: and, and his greatest years are with teams like Milwaukee Brewers. Rusty Staub's yeah. greatest years were with teams like Montreal Expos with, you know, I mean, the Colt 45s. I mean, you just don't – if you're not on the coast and you're not getting seen like a Mickey Mantle or a you know, Willie Mays, it's just, just harder in the middle, middle part of the country to be able to get recognized. So I think that plays a part of it as well. Hey, we're going to have, uh, after this end of this segment here, we're going to have on lovely Miss Tracy Mutt, so you're going to want to stay tuned to the Mental Strength Minute, where she talks about how using your uh, mental strength can make you a better athlete, for sure. And then we're going to have on the other side of this break, Texas Rangers AAA Round Rock Express pitching coach, 21-year Major League Baseball veteran Brian Schaus.
5: One of the most important mental strengths an athlete can develop is focus. Being able to stay focused in not only games, but also practice, is something many athletes need to work on. Distractions come in many forms, such as bad calls from refs, bad weather conditions, worry about who is watching from the stands, upcoming tests or schoolwork, and problems at home. Any one of these issues can drive an athlete's focus away from his task at hand. The great Olympic swimmer, Michael Phelps, has stated, When I'm focused, there is not one single thing, person, anything that can stand in my way of my doing something. There is not. If I want something bad enough, I feel I'm going to get there. Any athlete can develop skills to have this kind of focus. Working on strategies and developing a plan for better focus and concentration is something we help athletes with here at the EDGE Mental Strength Training. If you or an athlete you know would like to learn more about this, you can contact us by clicking on our link at docsandjocks.com. This has been your Mental Strength Minute
3: to Docs and Jocks. Brought to you in part by Joe Walker State Farm Insurance, Visual Edge, and Texas Sport and Spies. Touchdown. Now back to more Docs and Jocks with Dr. Dan and Ferris.
1: Hey, welcome back to Docs and Jocks, your sports medicine radio show. So great to have you listen today. Hey, if you're just catching our show for the very first time, want to find out more about it or contact us and send us your question, you can do so by going to DocsandJocks.com, D-O-X-N-J-O-X.com. What we do here on Docs and Jocks is talk about the sports entertainment world from a sports medicine niche. I do it each week with my co-host, Ferris Potter, the voice of Grand Canyon University. Ferris, we're very honored to have on a good friend of mine, a good friend of Docs and Jocks, Brian Shouse. Brian is a, get this, 20-plus-year Major League Baseball veteran pitcher who is now in the coaching realm, and he uh, played for teams such as the Milwaukee Brewers, the Pittsburgh Pirates, the Texas Rangers, uh, the Tampa Bay Devil Rays. So, Brian, thank you so much for being on Docs and Jocks.
0: Thank you guys for having me. It's always a pleasure.
1: And now you're in your current role as a Triple A pitching coach for the Round Rock Express. Hey, tell us what it's like, that transition from uh, – you've been doing it for a while now, being a coach, but that transition from playing to coaching. Tell us, is it – which one did you seem uh, easier, or which one is uh, harder to do, and uh, do you really enjoy the coaching life as much as you did playing?
0: I enjoy the coaching life very much, yes. Um, but I feel like it was a lot easier just as a player. <laughs> um, you know, as a coach, you got a whole lot of other things that are involved, and – when somebody's trying is struggling, you're trying to figure out how oh, well, can I get this guy to, so, you know, turn the the pin and keep going here on a positive note. And you know, as a player, I never really thought about that. I was just like, okay, what do you got for me? Tell me something to, to you know, make it easier for me. And you know, I'm trying to tell somebody, hey, let's try to do this, this or that. And and it's it's, it's gratifying when it the you know you see the instant results. Um, and then it's more frustrating when uh, you're like, man not i got to try something else. And, you know, that's the, that's the difference part of it. Um, but it is very exciting um, when they do get it and something clicks and a light bulb goes off in their head, and next thing you know they're on a tear.
1: Yeah, that has to be difficult. But because you're one of those guys that uh, – and I played with Brian. He and I were high school teammates together, actually from Little League through high school. Brian and I played on the same team every year, so it was amazing. We never even faced each other. But, Brian, you always made it look easy. And so it has to be hard for you when you see somebody struggling to walk out there and say, hey, this is what you need to do, as opposed to just saying, hey, come on, just throw strikes. But is it, has, it, has it been difficult trying to figure out different mechanics and different pitchers and how to both do the mechanics side of it as well as the mental side of it? Has that been a hard transition with you with coaching?
0: There's been a few guys that it, it's tough like that because, you know, they're, they're set in their ways possibly – or, you know, you're, for me, what I try to do is I don't try to mold somebody into, you know, each of them be the same picture. It's yeah. Each person is different and unique. And, and you have to try to figure out, you know, sayings or words or thought processes that um, triggers them and then it makes everything sync up the right way. Yeah. And, and that's the biggest challenge. And, you know, it's getting to know them, what makes them tick, and and then building that relationship and then building the trust and then saying, okay, let's try this, this, and that. And when that happens, then that's when they're ready to learn and they're ready to, um, you know, try some new things here or there.
1: Yeah, that has to be rewarding. Fair show question for Brian Shouse?
2: Yeah, Brian, obviously you had a great playing career, long playing career, probably came across a lot of coaches. Is there anybody who you would consider a mentor in that coaching realm or do just, you just kind of find yourself when you're coaching guys taking little bits from here and there uh, over your time in, in uh, as a player?
0: I did find myself taking um, little bits and pieces from, from a lot of different people. But that was after I kinda started to understand myself a little bit better and you know, um I, I always say Mark Connor um was was a big influence on, on me, um Oral Hersheiser was as well. Um and and they under, they helped me understand, you know, why do you throw strikes, why do you do this? And so then you start asking your yourself, okay, if this is what I'm doing, let's go backwards and figure out okay, at the beginning, what can I do to make the end result, you know, effective? And so that's what it is. You just kind of take, you know, remember things here and there that stick in your mind. You're like, Hey, that can work or this could work for somebody else. And, and, and that's what you try to do.
1: You know, I, when, and even when I say it, Brian, a 21 year, Major League Baseball, professional baseball career. That just seems like it, it just flew by 21 years. When in your career did you feel like you went from being a, because you were always a great uh, pitcher, even at a young age, you always stood out among your peer group, went from being a great pitcher or great thrower to becoming a great pitcher where you had the, the confidence. Like you're talking about Oral Hershiser taught you different things. When along that way did you say, okay, I, I'm figuring this pitching thing out and uh, I feel like now I'm the pitcher as opposed to a, a really good thrower?
0: Well, I think actually the time that I got, I went to uh, Japan, um, I had a lot more time to uh, just think about things. And, you know, you're kind of isolated there, um, you know, and um, you had a lot more time to think and, and, you know, figure things out. Um, And for me, it was kind of that turned the corner as as far as um, I didn't focus so much on getting to, you know, getting back to the States and getting to the big leagues. Um, and, you know, it was more focused on putting, you know, it, for me it was more putting my family and, and my relationship with Christ first, and then baseball fell in there, and all of a sudden things just clicked, and it was like I was at peace with everything. And so when I came back to the States, I was like, you know what? I know I can do this, this, and that really well. That's what I'm going to stay with, and then let's ride it out and see what happens. And kind of from that point on, you know, the the—, the 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 mental part was really simple and easy for me and i believed in myself finally completely 100 percent and that's the biggest thing is you get so many guys that think that they believe in themselves but you can see their actions don't show that on the mound and well mine everything synced up for me and then uh in 2003 um when uh basically buck showalter said there's nobody coming out coming up you know you don't need to look over your shoulder you're here to stay And from that point on, everything took
1: off. That's awesome. You know, that's perfect timing, Brian. Our our previous guest on uh, the show today was the uh, Fellowship of Christian Athletes director. And we were talking about, and he talked about this, how when players play for a bigger purpose than themselves, and, you know, Jesus Christ can obviously be one of those things, uh, it it just takes the pressure off of them. So you talked about your relationship with Christ having part of of that effect on you. That's just perfect timing. Explain that a little deeper.
0: Yes, it. I mean, it was. It, you know, when I when I went over to Japan, like I said, when I went to Japan, my family didn't come with me right away or anything. And you know, I always carried my Bible around. And and what I did over there was I really started to read the Bible again and get back to like my my you know high school days and yeah. and when I was younger and stuff, and and built on on the relationship with Christ. And it put me at peace, and and I was content with everything then from then on, and. And when I came back to the States, you know, the Lord put me in with a lot of different teams. that had a lot of solid Christian guys and we just held each other accountable. And we, we pitched for him and not for ourselves and not for the club or anything like that. And that's when, you know, everything took off. It, it didn't happen right away. You know, cause I came back in 99, I think from Japan, but in 2002 is when it started um, with, uh, uh, with Kansas city. Yeah. And, you know, it, it, I mean, for the next eight years after that, you know, God allowed me to, to be able to go to a big league ballpark every day and have fun and enjoy it and and uh, have a pretty successful career. That's so awesome.
2: Ferris? Hey, Brian, I, you know, I'm around the the GCU uh, coaching staff and Rich Dorman, who coached minor league ball uh, in, in Seattle a lot. And every time a pitcher's struggling, and I, I talk to him afterwards, they talk a lot about throwing your pitches with conviction, believing mm-hmm. in your stuff. And they say that's uh-huh. the hardest thing. As a guy who's never pitched a day in his life, well, actually I did once in the Little League and gave up a grand slam, so that's my <laughs> pitch. Other, that. Other than that, Brian. <laughs> it did not go well. Let's just put it that way. Well, I mean, is that, I hear that and I go, what do you mean? It says fastball. You just throw a fastball. Is there a difference between a fastball thrown with conviction and a fastball thrown without conviction?
0: Yeah, you have when you throw it with conviction, there's intent behind that pitch. There's intent in your mind, this is where I'm sticking this fastball. If you just throw it to me throwing it, you're basically just saying, I'm just going to throw it over the plate and see what happens or whatever. And, and your intent is, I'm throwing it to you know the inner part of the plate. I'm throwing it down and away. I'm throwing it up and in. And when you do that and you fully can, you know, are convicted behind it, the ball explodes. And that's why you see so many guys that, that will miss their spots, but they still get away with it because they're fully convicted in, I'm going to get you out with this particular pitch. And that's that's the approach. That's the mindset you have to have. And when there's a little bit of doubt that creeps in, or there's a little bit of uncertainty that creeps in, that's when you start to lose that. And that's why you see, Man, why is this guy getting lit up like he is? He's got great stuff. Well, he's not fully committed to to each pitch. You know, there's that little bit of doubt in there.
2: Right. You know that that's a great expl- explanation, Brian. Because one of our pitchers at GSU's favorite quote is a bad pitch thrown with conviction is better than a great pitch thrown without <laughs> conviction. So oh, you just explained perfect. it. Now I
1: know what that is. Yep. And by the way, Ferris, you said you threw uh, one inning in uh, little league and gave up a grand slam. I I, I played uh, third base shortstop behind Brian for like 15 years. I never saw him give up a single grand slam.
2: Just to put your put your careers in perspective. Yeah, yeah. and officially I didn't throw an inning because I got nobody out. <laughs> I, I walked I walked three and gave up a grand slam. And my dad, who was a coach, came out and said. Give me the ball. That's all he said to me. Give me the ball. <laughs> go to second base. He didn't ask was... if you had
1: conviction on that pitch. He didn't say no, he did no, that. No. no, he didn't go that, down that road. Give okay. me the ball. Go
2: back to second base. That
1: was it. Well, Brian, tell us what you're doing now with the AAA Round Rock Express. Uh, a lot of Texas Ranger fans are show airs here in the Southwest. And uh, Tell us where you're at with a lot of young arms and what we can expect from some guys coming through the organization.
0: Yes, I, we, I, obviously I'm here in Round Rock. We opened our season last night here in Round Rock. Uh, unfortunately, it was not uh, a good uh, home opener for us um but uh we still have a lot of games to go so yeah, <laughs> yeah i guess I, I guess the theory is if you start with a shutout you got nowhere to go but yeah, down that's right. well we didn't start with a shutout so we should have nowhere to go but you know a good upside now <laughs> there you go, yeah. but um <laughs> so but we have uh you know we got we got some arms here with uh Johan Mendez who's a starting pitcher and and Austin Dirk, who was a nice uh, surprise last year with the the Rangers uh as well as like Savage and Gardowine and and Reed Garrett Um, you know, and, and we're going to have, you know, we got some guys here that's got a chance to uh, help the big league club at some point this year. Um, and, uh, you know, we're hoping for the best, you know, obviously to get them, um, you know, consistent. Um, that's, you know, the biggest thing with most of these guys here is just making them, making them be consistent, making them their mindset, you know, stable, not a roller coaster mindset. Um, and, uh, you know, go from there and see what happens.
1: Speaking of Gardner wine, uh, how strange is it that your high school teammate that's you are now coaching his son in Major League in uh, in professional baseball that has to be a uh, aha moment there for you.
0: That that is pretty wild because we it started out I think he was drafted in 2012 or 13 I can't remember 12 I think maybe it was and when when I knew he we were drafting him he's coming out and we here's nerves Last year again in Double A, and now they're playing together. Um, it's quite a thrill, I, you know. I got to see, uh, you know, his mom and dad um, last year a little bit here and there, um, yeah. and uh, reminisce over uh, the good old high school days in Effingham. Um, but uh, it is nice, and uh, it's uh, comforting for him to know that he's got somebody here that uh, is looking after him a little bit. So
1: absolutely, yeah, so cool. So, Ferris, you have a question for Brian Staus?
2: Yeah, Brian. Uh, you know, I mean, you like I said, you've been pitched for uh, at all levels for so long. You've been coaching for a while. Now. Can you tell with the kid, like, like I, I think baseball is so hard because you're trying to draft and project a kid where he's going to be in four or five years, as opposed to like NBA or NFL. You're like, oh, what can that kid do in you know a year or whatever? Can you look at a pitcher and kind of say, hey, I, I I know this kid's good. I know we can polish him off, and he yeah, he's got major league stuff. Is that come easier for you, or is it still just man, you got to get in there, work with him for a while, and see what you got?
0: Uh, I don't think it's ever going to be, you know, really easy. I mean, I know you look for certain things. You look for consistency and mechanics. You look for, you know, certain body types and guys. You look for a certain, you know, uh, mind frame, um, you know, the work ethic and things like that. And, and there's guys that, you know, have all of that. But then between the, when they get out there between the white lines and the lights come on, all of a sudden they're different, um, you know. And, and that's, I think... What you what you have to do is is, is look at a lot of it is look looking at their their work habit, and their work ethic. You know how much are they competing? You know how much are they they want to be better than their peers in a sense? And um, you know that is what you're trying to hope that motivates them because somebody that's motivated is going to succeed somehow. And and that's what a lot of times we're trying to do is is what's motivating them. You know, is it the family? Is it the money? Is it you know, the respect that they want, you know, whatever. And and then you try to, you know, put that on their shoulder a little bit and say, Remember this and, and then let's go and see what happens. Um, but you know I think a lot of it too is it comes from you know some of it might even be from their childhood is is did they have to work, you know, in their yeah. childhood to get to have success and stuff like that. And if you if somebody's come across and, and has had to do that, you know, it, it carries over because you've developed a certain mentality, you've developed a certain work ethic um, on how you want to succeed.
1: By the way, for those who don't know, Brian Shouse's story: he broke into uh, Major League Baseball in 1990. He was drafted by the Pittsburgh Pirates. He doesn't get his really full chance at the major leagues. He came up with the Pirates real briefly in '90, but until 2002. So, you know, I've, uh, there's this podcast, Brian, called Team Never Quit, and they always are looking for never-quit stories. I've already turned your name in, by the way. I, I told them your story. I think you'd be a perfect <laughs> guest on that show. It's ran by these Navy SEALs who talk about want to find fascinating guys who just won't quit. What was it about you, you think, now looking back at your career, that allowed you to persevere when many, many others didn't? That's a 12-year stint between Major League debut to really getting your first shot at it. What was it about you that allowed you to persevere?
0: Um, well... Um... My family was one. I had a great um, wife and, and kids and, and, you know, my parents and her parents and everything were very, very supportive and, 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 you know, it, it helped with that. Um, but uh, my relationship with Christ that uh, grew and expanded throughout um, my baseball career um, was huge for me. And I just, I didn't want to accept failure. Yeah, right. <laughs> um, I, I wanted to succeed, you know, whether it was, you know, me coming from a small town and saying, you know what, I, I want to succeed and, and prove something to people. Um, you know, I was one of those, I was big into always tell if somebody told me, and this went from a young age, if somebody told me I couldn't do something, by golly, I was going to tell them, prove them wrong. <laughs> and that, thats kind of how I've lived my life, and to this day, I still find myself doing that at times. I try to catch myself and not uh, do it as much, but uh, it's—I don't know. There's always that something of, of that. Yep.
1: Yeah. Well, it's a great story, man. If you want to hear Brian Shouts' story, we've had him here on Docs and Jocks several times. A great story of uh, perseverance and, and striving on. From the from uh, your good friend, and from Brian, by the way, is the best. High school player I ever saw play at any level. So Brian will say <laughs> thank you for being on Docs and Jocks, man. I appreciate it.
0: Thank you, guys. I All right. appreciate it.
1: Hey, we'll be right Thanks, back. Sports, Sports Medicine Radio Show, Docs and Jocks after a short commercial break.
3: Here we go. Yes. You're listening to Docs and Jocks, brought to you in part by Buffalo Wild Wings, First Financial Bank, and MDI Abilene. Touchdown. Now back to more Docs and Jocks with Dr. Dan and Ferris.
1: Hey, welcome back to Docs and Jocks. This is your Sports Medicine Radio Show. Great to have you join us today. Remember, you can listen to us anytime, anywhere by going to several different outlets. One is docsandjocks.com, D O X N J O X.com. Pick up any previous show or interview you might have missed. Also, on our iTunes podcast, Docs and Jocks, D O X N J O X. Also, follow us on social media, D O X N J O X, Docs and Jocks. Hey, we've had some great interviews today, man. I'm going to tell you what, man, we just went back-to-back with Brian Shouse, the pitching coach for the uh, Texas Rangers, who took 12 years from his Major League debut to get back into the Major Leagues and get with it. And then we just had the interview with Sue Falsoni, the uh, first women's head athletic trainer at any level in Major League Baseball, NBA, uh, NHL, and the uh, NFL. So what a great couple of interviews. Both of them talk about how he had to have the mindset to be great. I love Brian Shouse talking about really what makes a pitcher excellent it's the mindset fair so just pick up on that a little bit i know we've had a lot of great guests have talked about that here on docs and jocks but really kind of what that means to you
2: well i mean we look i've been around athletes a lot more doing the the broadcasting you've been around them you know playing sports as well as you know being around them um as, as their doc there's something i always like to say when people say like they say how's marley how are these guys I'm like, they're just different like they're just wired a little bit differently i think some of that you can you can teach and coach, and you can flip that switch. But, I mean, I always go back to what I remember some of the some of the baseball coaches at Grand Canyon saying when I said, "Hey, did you did you guys know Tim Salmon was going to be a major leaguer at college?" They said, "No, not at all." They said, "We knew Chad Curtis would be, but we didn't know if Tim would." And I'm like, "Well, Tim's like six foot two, yeah. you know, built like a Greek god, great." natural athlete and chad's this guy who just is you know he's, he's a good great athlete obviously but he's not the same and they said yeah but chad wanted it we knew chad would not be denied his chance we didn't know if tim when he got into some issues would just kind of give up or not now tim had some issues in minor leagues but he made a choice and he changed and yeah. they became had a great career right? right um but he had that point like 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 brian kind of talked about you know what are you going to do when you get to that point where natural athleticism just doesn't do it anymore for you you know yeah. and um I thought it was interesting with him. He said he just is, He just his whole life. It's like if somebody told me he couldn't do something, he's like, "Oh yeah, watch this." And other people are like <laughs> yeah. if somebody says you can't do it, they go, "Oh yeah, watch this." Oh yeah, you're right. I can't. Well, it's no big deal. I still got a good life. Yeah, I like, it's oh, go ahead. it's just so hard to yeah. get to that level. It's so. I mean, you know better than I do because you were at that high D one level. I mean, just even to get there is amazing. But to, that next step, you know, people go, "Oh, that guy's not a very good player. <sighs> he's playing professional baseball. I don't care if it's a ball. That guy's yeah, a really, right. good really
1: player. good player. Yeah." You know, I thought it was too in our interview we did with Case Keenum, it was telling too. I liked the way he thought about it. He said, uh, We asked the question, uh, you know, Case, you've had a lot of naysayers, people who said you couldn't, you weren't big enough for college football. You weren't uh, good enough to be drafting the NFL. You weren't good enough to be on an NFL team as a starter. You're the backup. And uh, did that motivate you to prove them wrong? And he said, No, that really wasn't my motivation. My motivation is to prove guys right, like you, Dr. Dan, who believed in me all the way along. I think that's a, that's a telling side of people too. They, they're, Like you said, The great ones have something a little different in their brain on how they flip it and make it inspire them. I know there are guys that definitely try and prove people wrong, but there are also players who work at trying to make sure that the people who believed in them for all those years prove them right. So it's kind of whatever flips your your switch. But yeah, a lot of different thinking when you get to be an elite baseball player, elite football player, elite basketball player, hockey player, you name it. But yeah, a couple of cool interviews there. If you want to go back and listen to those, Sue Falcone, the very first women's head athletic trainer with the Los Angeles Dodgers and any organization in the top four major sports, you can go back and listen to her interview or the one we had with the AAA Round Rock Express Texas Rangers pitching coach Brian Shouse. You can do so by going to com, or it'll be on iTunes uh, this coming uh, week. So man, a couple of great ways to listen to a couple of great interviews. Hey, two big uh, NBA stories right now, Ferris. Kyrie Irving is out for the season. So here's how it goes down. So, you know, you had the big trade before the beginning of the season. You had Isaiah Thomas going to the Cleveland Cavaliers. Kyrie Irving goes to Boston Celtics. Definitely looks like <clears throat> the Celtics are going to get the better of those two deals after he's had a good year. Well, now he finds out, they find out that the screws and the wires they put in to repair his broken, fractured patella he had in the NBA Finals uh, two years ago. They found that they went in to do his knee scope, that that was infected with a staph aureus infection and that he was now going to have to have those screws removed and the wires removed, and that now will kick him out of the playoffs. So the Boston Celtics, who went into the season, With Gordon Hayward, you know, who had the terrific injury, one of those ones you don't like looking at, a terrible, terrible ankle dislocation fracture. They now lose Kyrie Irving, who's had their best season, their leading point scorer, assist leader. He is now out for the playoffs. So Boston Celtics went from a team that really had a legitimate chance, in my opinion. It was going to be the Cavs. It was going to be Toronto. And it was going to be uh, the Celtics basically going for that East division title champion. And yeah. uh, I think now the Celtics have, have kicked out of there. I think it comes down now basically to Toronto and the Cavaliers again. But you never know. That's what we always say: you got to have great talent, you got to be hot at the right time, and you got to avoid the injury bug. And unfortunately, the Boston Celtics did not do it this year.
2: I have been saying uh, all along that in the East, to me, yes, there are some teams to, to, to uh, you know that are that are going to be in the mix. It's always come down to Cleveland to me. I, I just think the East is so. Uh, inconsistent and up and down In so many of the teams But yeah if Boston You know I don't know about Toronto I don't know if about him to know If I think they can beat beat uh, Cleveland and beat LeBron Boston if everybody was healthy That would have been a nice I think Eastern Conference final But oh, I yeah. still I don't know man I just Beating LeBron is just
1: It's <laughs> hard LeBron. to do man Yeah <laughs> It's they, hard They haven't figured out in 8 years Is this going to be Has he gone 8 times uh, in a row I think it's 8 in a row right I think that's right He's been in 8 Yeah eight, eight who would have
2: Yeah who would have beaten him Yeah. <laughs> yeah I mean and that's when you look at I know people are always oh, not as good as Michael and blah you can have that argument but it's like 8 in a row man oh. and then granted Michael won would have probably won 8 in a row had he not done that little balance with baseball but he won 3 and then won 3 but I don't know. He's getting close, man. got he's, yeah, he's yeah. the only one you can really argue now, I think.
1: And now he's in a lawsuit with uh, Nick Saban over a barbershop uh, whole deal. <laughs> where that's crazy, too. Like <laughs> an online web screen. <laughs> yeah. Hey, speaking of Gordon Hayward, back to our sports medicine angle of the Celtics. He is now, remember, he had a terrible ankle fracture dislocation. And uh, he is now back. We talked about how he was doing the anti-gravity jogging machine. Well, guess what? He's now progressed. He's now jogging on his own. So good news on the rehab front for Gordon Hayward. So hopefully he'll be back. He's a good, great young talent. So, man, you always hope those guys can come back for those horrific injuries. Now, speaking of coming back, man, a guy that keeps fighting is Hall of Fame quarterback Jim Kelly, who of the Buffalo Bills, who took them to three Super Bowls. Uh, he has now had another surgery to remove further oral cancer in his jaw and in his lymph nodes. The doctors feel very uh, positive that they were able to get the cancer, and uh, he is now out of the ICU as of today. I just want to remind people, 85% of head and neck and uh, oral cancer, I'm sorry, head and oral cancer are related is related to tobacco use. So just to put that in perspective, it's not all of it, but it's pretty close, man, so... And uh, Jim Kelly will talk about that. And, uh, you know, we've had uh, we've talked to you and I extensively about Joe Garagiola, famous baseball player who lost his good friend to uh, oral cancer, has really been on the push for getting rid of tobacco throughout sports. We don't see it like we used to as far as in baseball, you know. When you and I grew up, every baseball player had a big chaw in his mouth. Everybody had right, a big right. dip. You always saw the can in their pocket. So they've really tried to curtail that, and it seems like it is working. It's not gone, obviously. But, and if people know now, if you know that it causes oral cancer, and you're willing to take a risk like Jim Kelly and have a possible uh, oral cancer, then, you know, you've been warned. And so just to let you know, 85% of head and oral cancer comes from tobacco use. So it isn't as popular as it was when we were kids as it fears.
2: No, not at all. I mean, they're, you know, technically in, in college ball, if, if you see it on the bench or whatever, you're supposed to be ejected, I believe, you know, and suspended. So, yeah, they're definitely trying to do that. I, I think we've kind of like with a lot of things, you know, if you want to play football there, you know, we, we've documented what the possible injuries are. You know, you know what you're getting into. If you want to chew tobacco, we've documented, you know, we've kind of we kind of, you know, you know what, you know what the possibilities are. But um, I think kudos to you know Joe Garagiola was one of the main guys pushing that stuff, and and Jim Kelly's probably coming out talking about it. Tony Gwynn talked about it, you know. But in those guys' day, you're right. I mean, guys, dude, there was there was girls in my junior high that chewed tobacco in the Midwest. I mean, it amazing? was just yeah. You just did it. You Grandma's, go out, to, you, know, yeah. you worked. You go out and just put it put a dip in, and you go, you know. Yeah. And nobody thought about. And if somebody did die or have cancer of their mouth, nobody even thought to connect the dots, you know. You no. Know. Back yeah, then, my
1: grandma had a spittoon in her house. How about that? You don't see that anymore.
2: Yeah. You know, I mean, it was just like, it was just, it really, it's really amazing. It's not that many years ago when we've no. come from, Yeah. oh, I don't know why you got cancer. Nobody, nobody knows to, oh, yeah. here's like definite markers that we can identify, you know, so.
1: Yeah, I remember being in my grandma's house crawling. I was about five years old walking around. I was like, hey, what's the juice in the big brown uh, bucket thing? They're like, that's a spittoon. What, what, don't, don't, have a drink. Don't have, drink. A, <laughs> have a sip. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I had no, a college teammate. I just. Teammate. Remember, I just I, I had a college teammate. I never once saw him without a dip in his mouth. Ever, yeah. ever. Eating, sleeping, napping, nothing. He it's always had Al Siebert, man. Common. I wonder if Al's still around. Yeah. I don't know. Hey, speaking of bonehead yeah. injuries in the, of the week, <clears throat> bonehead sports medicine injuries, UFC fighter Conor McGregor and his teammates, they, uh, in retaliation for an incident earlier in the week, felt like they had been wronged. Conor McGregor de- decides to pick up a hand dolly, which I guess a hand dolly is what you carry a piece of luggage around the airport, that little hand dolly thing. I guess that's what that is. We were t- Hawk and I were it, is. We're Hawking our trying figure out. Isn't it
2: like a hand truck? Isn't it like a like – a, like I don't know if it's a big one. You have two, two ones. On?
1: I don't know if put boxes on it or it's a little one you carry your luggage around. One of those. Anyway, he decides to chunk one of those through a bus full of UFC fighters on their way to a match. It ended up causing facial lacerations, corneal abrasions in multiple individuals, and the fighters had to reschedule their event. He has now been charged with three counts of misdemeanor assault as well as one count of felony criminal mischief. His uh, passport has been revoked. He can't leave the United States. He currently is still in police custody as of Friday. The fighters, after getting their faces uh, sewn up and the uh, glass taken out of their eyes, are uh, now coming back for their fight that had to be rescheduled. Not the most brilliant move by Conor McGregor. Some people said it was staged. I don't think that's staged. I don't think you shatter glass in people's faces as a staged event. But pretty uh, numb, scullish, dumb, idiotic of uh, Conor McGregor.
2: Yeah, and he seemed like such, a, such an a intelligent, thoughtful nice guy. Awful yeah, guy like such a nice you know? guy. I don't know how that happened. Yeah, so. he seemed like he, he, just, he just seemed like a type of guy who would think things through before he acted, you know, yeah. for so many years. So it's a, really <laughs> yeah. a surprise, really a surprise.
1: You should have seen uh, – I know this is radio, so you can't see it, but you should have seen the shock face on Ferris's face. It's just a, an amazing shock face when he said that. I
2: wouldn't think like, – it. I think Conor McGregor, Mother <laughs> Teresa, I think very similar, you know, attitudes in life, and I just – I'm, I'm surprised.
1: <laughs> yeah, uh, there, there's probably a reason. That UFC fighters like Conor McGregor uh are really, really good at what they do in the in the octagon because probably they aren't too far away from that outside of the octagon, and I think he's just proven our point.
2: Do you uh you know, I mean what they should do is drop all the charges against him and say you have to fight each one of those guys you hurt back to back in the cage, or at the same so just time. Let those guys, let's just go exactly. save time.
1: He has to fight them all the time. Let's
2: go time. I mean, I'd even give him the benefit of letting him one on one because by about the fourth <laughs> one, he's going to be pretty tired <laughs> yeah, and they're yeah. pretty mad. So,
1: knowing Conor McGregor, he'd win though, and then you feel bad for those guys. Well,
2: then, didn't you just then you just arrest him and throw the in front of jail. <laughs> then you arrest him anyway. Yeah, you go <laughs> back. Didn't the charges.
1: Yeah, man, crazy, crazy. Hey, the Rangers starting center fielder Delino Just De Shields was struck by a pitch in the hand, and he broke his bone in his hand called the hamate bone. It's the bone there at the base of your palm. If you're looking at your palm, it's on your pinky side at the base of your hand, and it's a little hook. And that hook of your handmate, when it's struck, it can break the hook. And what you do is you just go in and you take it out. It's one of those simple uh, – I remember trying to learn names of different medical procedures and learning different names and diagnoses and trying to memorize when I was going through medical school and residency and all that stuff. And I remember thinking, okay, so you break the handmate. What do you do? You just take it out. That seems kind of that's kind of easy. You don't have to repair it. You just take it out. So it's a little piece. It's a little hook. It breaks. Boop. Take it out.
2: Take it out. So he
1: anyway, he's going to be about four to six weeks. So they're kind of doing a rotation of four to six feelers.
2: weeks just you're taking it out. You're yeah. still on four to six
1: weeks. Yep. Yeah, because you got to learn be able to grab a bat again. Remember, you got to let the heel. got to let it heal down, right? So you got this incision in your hand. You've got soft tissue. You now have basically a bone that's been broke that has to heal the part you didn't take out and to be able to grab a bat and swing it and put pressure through it. It rolls over your hand when you roll the bat over. It rolls over your wrist right there. That's why sometimes people can break it on a check swing. You check swing it, and the bat will roll into your handmate, and it actually Mm. will break the little hook right there. So. It's going to be a little while just because there was somebody who had, who had a difficult time coming back. We talked about it here on Docs and Jocks, and he said because it changed the way he followed through with his bat because it hurt as it rolled over that hook of the hand. Oh. So, yeah, it can take four to six weeks just to be able to get your swing back and feel like you, know, you can swing it without having to think about it. So it's going to be a little while.
2: Yeah, he was on my fantasy team, so that's probably why he got hurt. <laughs> yeah, that's it's my bad.
1: So, Ferris and I go to uh, Cincinnati Reds playing. Uh, man, who was that, Ferris? They were playing. Uh, the Padres. We were out yeah, in San Diego. Yeah, we were in San Diego. We are watching a Padres-Reds game. He calls over uh, Felipe somebody. What was that guy's name? Felipe Lopez. Felipe Lopez. Really, Honestly, God, this is before the game. He calls over Felipe Lu- Lopez. As a fan in the stands, we're watching BP. Ferris goes, Felipe, Felipe. You know, they n- always ignore you. They never come over. They never talk to you. No, he turns over and looks at us, and he looks at us, and Ferris goes, I need three hits today. You're on my fantasy team. And three I hits, remember, a
2: stolen base, and if you could get a home run, that would be great.
1: Yeah, and I just remember Felipe, the, the look he gave you, I, I, <laughs> he, he, it wasn't just dumb. It was dumb blank is what he looked at you as. And I was like, wow, Ferris really, really takes his fantasy league baseball serious.
2: He, he kind of laughed. We saw him talking to some <laughs> other players, pointing in the stands and laughing. And his first at bat, he hit one about three-quarters of the way up the wall, almost got it. He did steal the base. So I think, I think deep down he – you know, he expected game, game respect game, so he was like, I'm going to try to help this guy out. <laughs>
1: Actually, when he stole he the bases on though. the base, Ferris is yelling at him, thank you, as if uh, Felipe was really trying to cog
2: yeah, him. He Take lifted the- up the base. <laughs> they put it
1: in the <laughs> That is a true story, yeah. So okay. when you go to watch a game with the great Ferris Potter, it's not just the game that's going on. There's a lot of fun stuff going on out there. Hey, wow. Mike Trout, man, he's a, one of the next uh, all-star baseball players to go out and wear the C-flap. He must have been listening to Docks and Jocks. Remember, the C-flap is the part of your helmet that now extends across your jaw and your face. We've been a big proponent of it here on Docks and Jocks. So you got Mike Trout now joining Giancarlo Stanton, who got hit in the face, Miguel Cabrera, as well as Bryce Harper now wearing the C-flap. We've been a big proponent of it not only in professional baseball, but in junior high, high school, little league baseball as well. So I'm glad to see
2: great. A lot as- more guys are doing that.
1: Yeah, I'm glad they're doing it because when Mike Trout does it, you know the little league are gonna start doing it. Hey, you know what we're really, really glad of? We're really glad that you listen to our show, Docs and Jocks here, man. We could not do our show here without our wonderful guests and without our wonderful fans, without our wonderful audience. Hey, remember we we would love for you to be part of our podcast. It's one of the fastest growing podcasts out there, Docs and Jocks. Just subscribe on iTunes. D-O-X-N-J-O-X, and you can be part of our show that way as well. Hey, from myself, Dr. Dan, longtime sports medicine physician, as well as Ferris Potter, the voice of Grand Canyon University, I want to say thank you to all our wonderful listeners today as well as all our wonderful guests. Hey, get out there and start exercising. Find the exercise that you will do. Get out there, get exercising, stay healthy. We'll see you next week on Docs and Jocks.